The rest of you, take your Bibles, turn to Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 through 34 is what we are looking at this morning. Uh, quickly, just some uh, celebrations, things to talk about. One year staff anniversary for Chelsea. Give her a hand. She has done a great job. Uh, she's not even listening because she's doing her job. So, but uh, we do thank her and camp and embrace Grace. She has just, just really, really jumped in and valuable. Summer FLC, uh, y'all, a lot of y'all might not have known they did summer FLC for six weeks. That ended Thursday, so she's going to take a nap. Um, and then all those things. Uh, want to remind you uh, about uh, the, the shirt I'm wearing, the Caskey Center for Church Excellence. This is at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary, a seminary that when you give to the church, we tithe on what you give, and part of what we tithe goes to the cooperative program, and part of that goes to New Orleans Seminary. Now, the Caskey Center is focused on particularly smaller churches. That's their their purpose, their goal, strengthening the smaller churches who don't have the, the resources of churches of a thousand or two thousand or whatever. But the, the biggest impact that they the Caskey Center makes for our church is they have a scholarship program for any ministers, uh, part-time or full-time, that serve at a church that serve at a church of 250 or less. Somebody gave that money however long ago, and it is full tuition. I mean, it works out to full tuition. It's $8,000 a year, $4,000 a semester, depending on how you do your semesters. And both Etta and Justin have that scholarship and, and are beneficiaries of that, which means the scholarship money that we've ha we have in, in our account uh, doesn't go to them anymore. We haven't had to do that for a year and a half or so. They've been a part of the Caskey Scholarship. So that's the t-shirt I'm wearing this morning, just to give you some info on that. Uh, let, before you go to the next slide, Pat, let, let me remind you about our uh, business meeting and potluck supper tonight. That's at 5 o'clock. I don't think, did I, was that slide in the announcements? I don't think it was. Um, that's tonight at 5 o'clock. We will meet in the activity center. Bring uh, your dish. You know the old Southern Baptist rule, enough for you and uh, enough for your family and one more. Um, we're providing drinks and rolls. So it, it, everything else is up to you. If we don't have any meat, we're all having a vegetable plate, and that ain't bad either. So uh, just, just the way it is. Bring whatever you want to. 5 o'clock, we'll start eating at 5 o'clock. As soon as, well, really as soon as everybody gets seated and I'm done eating, We'll start the business meeting right over there in the activity center. We'll have it there, and then when we're done with that, we'll move over here into the sanctuary for uh, Radical. So that's tonight. And then finally, I want to go ahead and start putting this bug in your ear about Back to Church Sunday on September 17th. This should be the next. There we go. Uh, Back to Church Sunday, September 17th. Now, we're going to have cards, invite, invite cards for you to invite your friends, uh, invite folks who haven't been to church in a long time, who haven't been to church since last Sunday. Uh, invite them all. Uh, we'll provide those for you. We want to reach out. We want to encourage people to come. But here's what I want us to do. Here's my challenge for those of us who come mostly fairly regularly. If everybody who comes to church at some point during the month came to church on the same Sunday, we'd have over 150 people in church. Now, we hadn't hit 150 in quite some time, be long before the hurricane, uh, long before the pandemic. We've not hit, other than Easter or some other special event. So if we, if we could all just, and I'm going to talk about this now for a number of Sundays because we've got to catch the folks who weren't here today and won't be here next week, but we'll be, so, you know, if we all came, that's, so that's our goal, is September 17th, we're coming to church. Just, you know, put it on the calendar. Nothing else is going to get in the way. Uh, no lake, no, no, no ball game if we can help it. Just we are coming to church September 17th. School will be started, uh, so, so things will slow down a little bit. And let's, let's make our goal, the, and I think this is an easy goal, of 150 if we all come. And then we invite other people. Who knows? I'm not going to set a goal for that. I'm just, I'm just, I would love to see everybody who comes regularly 
all come on the same Sunday. So put that on your calendar, back to church Sunday, September 17th. We're going to have signs out. We're going to do um, uh, social media promotion. We're going to do all that stuff to encourage folks. And uh, so I'm encouraging you. Our memory verse. I think that's the next thing on my... Yep, our memory verse. The memory verse that Michael did not work on this week like he promised his church he would a week ago. Uh, <clears throat> so, got my cheat sheet. Yeah, here we go, all together. The person who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence indeed is the Lord, is blessed. He will be like a tree planted by water. It sends its roots out toward a stream. It doesn't fear when drought he comes and its foliage remains green it will not worry in a year of drought or cease producing fruit jeremiah 17 7 through 8 and that was terrible you're right i'm get i'm gonna get there i don't know that it'll be during children's camp that i memorize it i'm gonna try yes i'm one of the chaperones for children's camp so uh fun week for me all right, so the title of our sermon this morning is God Will, Jeremiah 31 through, oh, hold on, Etta, do you have my leave? Y'all remember last week, just toss it to me, I think I can catch it. Y'all remember last week, uh, my back was hurting pretty bad, uh, like, like almost couldn't walk up here, it was, it was pretty intense. Um, so I've, I've always, medicine has always helped, so I started carrying my leave with me, and I like to keep it close, like all week this week, I've been putting the Aleve in my pocket, carrying it with me, uh, and it's really helped, really helped my back. I, now, some days I have carried Tylenol and Advil too, just in case I want to get the benefits of all three, depending on if one is stronger than the other. So, it's a little far away in her bag, so I want to make sure it's close to me so I can get the benefits of it, right? Okay, so anyway... Uh, we're looking at Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34. See, my nurses have already figured this out. They're looking at me like, you dummy. Is that medicine going to do me any good sitting on that table? No, it's not. What do I have to do with the medicine? I've got to take it. I've got to, there's another word I'll use, internalize it. Otherwise, I'm not going to get the benefit of it. I can carry that bottle with me. I can, I can brag on Aleve. I can sing the, this is Amazon brand Aleve, but whatever. I can brag on it. I could sing songs about how great Aleve art. How great Aleve art. I could do all sorts of things about Aleve. And I will never get the benefits of the medicine until I take it. Until I put it inside me and allow it to do its work. God's commands are the same way. Oh, we can sing about it. Oh, we can talk about how good it is. But what Israel did was they had a leave and they talked about how good a leave was. But just in case they went next door to the other drugstore... And they bought the Tylenol, too. And then across town, they went to the, the other one, the, the Eckerd. Oh, the K&B. Boy, I'm really getting old now. Uh, drugstore. And they bought, they bought the Advil. And some of them, some of them went all the way back and bought Bayer. Bayer aspirin. Just in case, right? Because let's just use them all in, in case one of them is better than the other. Yeah. See, when God's commands aren't internalized, they aren't obeyed. You don't get the benefit of them. They, Israel, we, can't, they couldn't, they couldn't swallow the law. They couldn't internalize it. it. It's not possible. It's too big of a pill to swallow the law. You, you can't keep it all. You can't keep all 10. You can't keep all what became 642. 
laws to follow. You can't do it. It's too big of a pill. Have you ever tried to teach a five-year-old, six-year-old, seven-year-old to start swallowing pills? It doesn't matter how tiny. That sucker can be like baby aspirin size, and they're acting like you're asking them to swallow a watermelon. Well, the laws of the watermelon, or the elephant, or the asteroid that we try to swallow. We try to internalize it. He couldn't do it, so God provided. He knew you can't swallow the law. He knew you can't really internalize the law, not the way it needs to be, so he provides the sacrificial system to Israel. Make these sacrifices, atone for your sins, atone for your failure, to be able to internalize the law and get its benefits, but their sin was too great, and their repentance was too fake. They sang the songs to a leave, but they didn't even try to take a leave. They sang the songs to aspirin and to Tylenol and to ibuprofen, but they never took the medicine. So, so God stepped in. And here in Jeremiah, he steps in with a new covenant. A new covenant where God will do the work of the sacrificing and the saving. Now, let's talk about covenants just for a second. There are three different types of covenants in the Old Testament. One, and, and in this era in general, one is the contract the contract is a covenant between two equals. It's, it's, a, it's a business relationship. If you do these things in your ability that is equal to me, I will do these other things in my ability that is equal to you or to your ability. We will trade. We will barter. They are equal. You need this that I have, and I need this that you have. So a contract says we swap those whether that's stuff or services or whatever. Then you have a treaty, so that's a contract. Then you have a treaty. A treaty is between two unequals, and it's the weaker one that then owes the stronger. The weaker one needs the treaty. The stronger one doesn't. The stronger one offers the treaty, but in order for there to be a treaty, the weaker one says, yes, I will provide these concessions, I'll give these things back in order to have this treaty. And then finally is the grant. The grant is also between two unequals, but in the case of a grant, the stronger one does everything for the weaker. There are very few requirements for the weaker toward the stronger because the weaker can't do anything for the stronger. Now, there are some responsibilities. Maybe you do some things. If you, if you get a grant from the government, for example, for whatever it is you're doing, you have to follow certain rules, but there, there's, you are not doing anything for the government per se. You are doing your thing, and you're receiving the grant. That's the third type of covenant. And as we go through this passage, listen, because you're going to figure this out as we go through it. Listen for all that God does and how little the people do. In this passage, as a matter of fact, there is no requirement on the people. We know there is a requirement. We'll talk about that. He talks about it later. They, of course, have the responsibility to obey. But in this passage, this is God pursuing his people and providing a path to salvation that doesn't depend on them. No sacrifice. No yearly sacrifice, no occasional sin sacrifice. None of the things that have atoned for their sin in the past are going to be necessary any longer. Because our big idea this morning, by grace, through faith, God will do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. God will. That is the title of the message. Jeremiah Chapter 31, verses 31 through 34. Look, the days are coming. This is the Lord's declaration. 
when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. This one will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors on the day I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, even though I am their master, the Lord's declaration. Instead, this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days. The Lord's declaration. I will put my teaching within them and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will one teach his neighbor or his brother saying, Know the Lord, for they will all know me from the least to the greatest of them. This is the Lord's declaration. For I will forgive their iniquity and never again remember their sin. By grace through faith, God will do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Four, really five God wills in this passage. But one of them is a repetition of one of the God wills already stated. So we're going with four God wills this morning. Number one, God will make a new covenant. So we've already talked about what a covenant is. It's, a, it's, a, it's either a contract, a treaty, or a grant. Uh, it's a promise. But in this promise, God promises with no timetable. Look, he says, the days are coming. That's very ambiguous. Which days? How long are the days away? Don't worry about that, God says. We know he's already said, settle in, you're going to be there a while in Babylon, 70 years at least for Babylon. This is going to take a little while to get everything organized, to get you all back home. It's coming, don't worry about it, but you need to just worry about your responsibility now to follow me and to pray to me for the peace of the new home you have. So no timetable on this. One of these days, the days are coming when... I will give you, I will make a new covenant. Now, the original covenant, and this is not like, he says, not like the covenant uh, of old. Because originally, they had a treaty covenant, covenant with God. If you want to be real specific, it was called a suzerain treaty. Uh, we, we see the image of that primarily with, um, with Abraham. We'll talk about that in just a second, though, because in this treaty situation with the people, the people had responsibilities to maintain the covenant. So it was more than a grant. It was, we, you owe me something, God said. You, you owe me these sacrifices, which is tribute. It was just like tribute to a king. You owe me this. You owe me your first fruits. You owe me your firstborn son. Not to kill, you sacrifice instead a lamb in their place, a sacrificial replacement. That should ring a bell. And the sacrificial replacement, by the way, was the firstborn son. Only begotten. Eh. Y'all see it. I didn't have to explain that to you. You, 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 you replace that, but, but you owe me tribute. You owe me to these, these things. You owe me this obedience. You, you follow my rules now. You, you can't just live however you want and whatever. No, no, you are, you are following my rules. It was a, a treaty covenant. And in order to maintain the covenant, the people had to do these things. Now, the covenant with Abraham, this suzerain treaty, and if you remember your, your scripture from when the, God made the covenant with Abraham, he split a bull, uh, uh, a sheep, um, and killed a, a, a dove, but didn't split it, if I remember correctly. Laid them out side by side. And what the two parties would do in order to uh, to ratify the covenant is the two parties entering into this covenant, enter, entering into this treaty, would both walk between the parts. It, it, it was actually called splitting a covenant. Well, you see where the image comes from. But in that passage, in that story where God and Abraham make a covenant, you'll remember Abraham didn't walk between them. Only God did. God said, we're going to make a covenant, Abraham, and you know who's responsible for, this, for maintaining this covenant? Me, not you. 
That was uh, his covenant uh, for uh, children, for a great nation. In the Old Testament, covenants, covenants were renewed over and over. God said, I'm renewing my covenant, renewing my covenant. But they never stuck. Even Josiah's renewal, the, the Josiah, King Josiah, who found the book of Deuteronomy when they finally cleaned up the temple, found scripture and said, we're not doing this right. And, and Jeremiah rejoiced in his day to see it. You, you wonder if Jeremiah was both hopeful and concerned. This is great, but is it going to stick? Covenant renewal had happened over and over, but they, they never stuck, and they weren't enough to save Judah. Josiah's covenant renewal did not do enough to overcome, particularly, the sin of Manasseh, who sacrificed his child to a pagan god. And so God says, I will make a new covenant. This new covenant is going to be a grant covenant. God is going to do all the work. God's going to do everything. Yes, they have, will have some responsibility. We, we've, we've heard that. But the tribute, the owing God, the treaty relationship isn't there. This is a grant relationship. This is like the covenants with Noah, Abraham, and David. Noah, chapter, uh, Genesis chapter 9, I think, where he said, No longer will I flood the earth. Did Noah have to do anything to keep the earth from being flooded? No. God said, I will keep this covenant. That was a grant covenant. The covenant with Abraham, to make Abraham a great nation. Did Abraham have to do anything for that? No. I will make you a great nation. You, numerous. Trust me, believe me, but I'm going to do this for you. Even as Abraham made mistakes and failed along the way, God kept that covenant because it was a grant. The covenant with David in uh, first, probably second Samuel. Uh, where he says to David, there will always be a Davidic king on the throne. Not because David was always righteous. We know the stories. He wasn't. But because God was going to keep that covenant. There was no, if you do this, I will always keep a Davidic king on the throne. No, I will do it. There was a grant, covenant. God was doing all the work. This is the only, in Jeremiah chapter 31, this is the only new covenant mentioned in the Bible. This isn't a renewal. This is something brand new, and it's the only time we see it in the Old Testament. And he says, I'm going to make this new covenant with both the house, uh, the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Remember, Israel does not exist anymore. They weren't just carried off into captivity like Judah will be, but they were wiped out. They were literally bred out. They don't exist, and yet God is saying, I'm going to bring them back. We are going to include them. It will be for Judah and Israel. The truth is, it doesn't stop there. It is inclusive, and it is completely inclusive because eventually even Gentiles get to be a part of this covenant. Paul tells us in Romans, because the Jews rejected Christ when he came, thus opening the way for the Gentiles to be grafted in, part of this new covenant. Now, along the time, about the time of Jesus, a little before and a little after, there was a, a community in uh, Jerusalem called the Qumran community. There was a, they're also called Essenes. Um, they are who we got the Dead Sea Scrolls from. They were the ones that preserved the scripture so well and then hid it in the, the mountains, uh, in the areas around there. The Qumran community was a... Uh, last week I talked about the, the Millerites and other uh, groups that thought Jesus was coming, think Jesus is coming back right now, so we got to uh, separate ourselves and maybe sell of our, all of our stuff and whatever. That was the Qumran community. That's what they did. They were looking for the Messiah. They didn't know him as Jesus, and, and they missed him, by the way, uh, just like most other folks at the time. But that's what they were doing, and they pulled apart. They separated, and they thought they were the new covenant people. We are the inheritors of Jeremiah's promise of a new covenant. The thing is, it wasn't a new covenant. It was a treaty covenant that was just more legalistic even than the old covenant. We're going to really follow the rules, and then we're going to follow those rules even harder. And they 
They missed it. They weren't the new covenant. Well, how is this new covenant not like the old covenant? Because that's what he says. This one will not be like the covenant I made with their, the, the, their ancestors on the day I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt. Who's doing all that, by the way? I took them by the hand. I led them out of Egypt. You ever found a kid that got lost at the mall or in a store or something? You finally find him probably hiding in, in the, the clothing rack down in the middle of the round ones. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And when you finally find him or her, after looking for 10, 15, in my case, when I was a kid, it was an hour looking for me in the mall in Meridian, Mississippi. I was not in a clothing rack. I was in Hallmark playing with Boopy, Snoopy. I was sitting at the end of the, the, the aisle so they couldn't see me. I didn't know they couldn't see me. I was just sitting there playing. I didn't know what I'd done. For an hour or more, they looked for me in Village Fair Mall in Meridian, Mississippi. And this was soon around the time uh, Adam Walsh, if you're familiar with all that stuff, had been found. So my parents were a little, little freaked out. You find them, and what do you do? You get the hand and you... And who knows what happens at the end of that. We're not going to talk about all that. I don't remember. I probably blacked out. Um, and that's the picture we have here. God going into Egypt, getting his people, and leading them by the hand. That's, that's the image. Now, they weren't in trouble for being in Egypt. That wasn't their doing. But he was leading them out. Now, the 40 years in the wilderness, I kind of get that feeling too. Like, all right, we're going to march around here until, until you learn your lesson and we go home. Okay? God's doing all the work, though. That's what you should see. I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt. I led them out of Egypt. So how is this not going to be like the old covenant? We would ask. And the answer is they won't be able to break it. The people won't be able to break it. That's the problem with the old covenant. The people could break it. They broke the old covenant with idolatry and blasphemy and sexual perversion and adultery and injustice to the poor and breaking the Sabbath and not tithing these are all things that God held as parts of the treaty. And they broke those treaty stipulations, thus breaking the covenant. Now, there was sacrificial provision, right? Bring your sacrifices once a year for these individual infractions. And they even sacrificed for the sins of the nation, but... What wasn't in the Old Covenant was mercy for failure to respond to God's repeated grace and patience. What? There was no stipulation, no provision in the Old Covenant that if the people continued to not obey, that God would forgive them anyway. As a matter of fact, the stipulation was just the opposite. If you continue to ignore my grace, if you continue to ignore my patience, I will, to quote a famous comedian, I brought you into this world, I can take you out. And that's the promise, and that is what's happening here. There's, 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 no, there's no provision for repeated sinfulness. But the people thought they were good. They had the temple. They had the covenant. They had God's name. They had their bottle of leave. Works great for all your aches and pains. You know, they'd even, they'd even brag about it. Yes, we've got God. Yes, we've got leave. You, you, you people everywhere else, you don't have what we have. Ha <laughs> ha, it's great sitting here on my table. That's what they thought. They thought that would take away the pain, but it had to be internalized. And God says, again, he will do it. This will not be like the covenant where I took him out of uh, the, uh, the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, even though I'm their master. 
This is the Lord's declaration. He will do it. That, and we begin in verse 33. Instead, this is the covenant I will make. Because just because Israel broke their side, here's the God we serve, y'all. Just because Israel broke their side doesn't mean God will break his. As a matter of fact, his promise is that he won't. And so he comes up with a new covenant comes up with like he was sitting up there in heaven going oh man they've messed up this time how can i fix this it was the plan all along so he presents this new covenant number two god will write on their hearts yes i spent a lot of time on point one there's a lot of background there the points speed up as we move through god will write on their hearts i will put my teaching within them and write it on their hearts what was it written on before Stone, stone tablets, the, the Big Ten, that, that was what it was. And we, they developed, well, you know, in order to keep this one law, you've got to follow these other 30, or basically that numbers work out to, you have to follow these other 64 if we just average them. But it was just the 10, and it was written on stone. But what God is saying is no longer will you need obedience to stone tablets but obedience to the inner working of God. And that works better, right? Imagine if we didn't have to take medicine for pain. If we had some cavity inside us, and I'm sure doctors would tell us we do. Uh, we've, we've got, I'm sure, our own natural pain neutralizers that, you know, I, I, I get all that, but just I don't know what it is, so I'm going to go with this analogy. Uh, we had this capsule inside of us that, lo and behold, lasts until we die, that when pain comes along, it releases automatically. Never have to take medicine again. That's what God is talking about. No longer will you have the stone tablet, the thing outside of you, that, okay, I've got it in my list, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, and this. Instead, it is going to be in you. It is going to be internalized in you. But then when that happens, it becomes natural. If we've got that little cavity of, of, of natural medicine in us that, that comes out, it just, it just happens. Is that us doing it? No, it's part of our design. It's part of our makeup. It's part of who we are. And that is what God is talking about. Obedience will be out of responsive desire. It will be who you are as a follower of me, not a fearful duty, not a begrudging checklist of, well, I went to church. He told me I had to on September 17th. I did it. Ah, he keeps talking about money all the time. I tithe. We're not, he's, no, it will be grateful, loving, responsive appreciation to what God has done because he will have put that in our hearts. Paul talks about it, Romans chapter 8, especially the first half, first 10, 15 verses or so. Paul talks about how full reliance on the Spirit means we do not need the written law. The truth is, if we would just obey the Spirit, we would never sin. How many Christians have the Holy Spirit in them? Correct answer is all of them. That's right. I don't know how many there are, but however many there are, that's how many. We all, and we all have the same Holy Spirit. If we would obey the Holy Spirit, we would never sin. Well, the catch-22 is sin keeps us from obeying the Holy Spirit. because we're, Paul talks about that too. We're natural. We're in the flesh still. Our, our souls are saved. Our flesh is, is, is still uh, pulls us one way. So we know all that. But the ideal, the way it could be, the way it should be is Full reliance on the Spirit means we don't need the written law. If, if, if the law were in us, we wouldn't need the written law. Romans 10, 4. Paul writes, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. The end of the law for righteousness. We don't need the law to be righteous. He's going to go on and say, Besides, the law couldn't make you righteous anyway. You can't follow it. The purpose of the law was to show you how bad you are and how much you can't follow it. 
And God says, I'm going to write my law in your heart. I'm going to make it a part of who you are. Your very DNA, where obeying the Spirit is as normal as breathing. That'd be nice. That would, that, that would that'd take a lot of stress off of us, I think. Um, but sin. We still have it. Paul makes clear in Romans that the, the flesh wars against the Spirit. Even in Christ, we have not seen what Jeremiah is talking about on earth. We've not seen where we have the law fully written on our hearts so that obedience is like breathing. The Holy Spirit is in us, but we don't breathe obedience. This prophecy to the people exiled in Babylon has its for them purpose It has its for us purpose, but it also has a greater fulfillment that is yet to come. Number three, God will. God will be their God. Verses 33, the end of verse 33 and beginning of verse 34. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will one teach his neighbor or his brother saying, Know the Lord, for they will all know me from the least to the greatest of them. This is the Lord's declaration. This was always the intention. I will be their God and they will be my people. That's, that phrase has been used over and over and over. So this isn't new in the new covenant. But the new part is that it had never happened from the side of the people. They had always been his people. And he had always been their God. But they had not lived up to that. They had not fulfilled that. They took the name, but not the relationship. They bragged on the product, but never swallowed the pill. They had buildings with his name on it. They gathered to talk about him. They sang about him. They, they gave religious answers to cultural ills. But they didn't live out the calling that God gave them to reach the culture, reach the nations. They saw themselves as better than those without God. Well, at least I'm not like those people, they would say. But they didn't worship as they were told. They didn't respond to him as they were told. They didn't tell others about him as they were told. They took his name in vain because their actions in very few ways actually reflected who he is. And yes, I'm still talking about Israel, but I'm also talking about us. We do the same things. Same things. We carry the name, we put the label on the building, we sneer at the sinfulness in the world. Get mad about it, but don't tell anybody about Jesus that can save them from it. Knowing the Lord is a result of faith, not instruction. I can't instruct you to know the Lord. I can instruct you to know his scripture better. I can instruct you to know about him more. But until you internalize it, you can study the Bible all you want, but never know, really no, have relationship with the Lord. When God writes on our hearts, when the Holy Spirit dwells in us, we truly know the Lord. Paul writes in Ephesians that that is our seal of promise, the Holy Spirit. The written on our hearts part is the proof that we have trusted Jesus. That is when we get the relationship and the name, when God writes on our hearts. This is when the internalization of the medicine leads to a change of circumstance. The truth is, my back is feeling better today. I'm not going to do anything stupid just in case, but my back is feeling better, better today because of the medicine that I took and the medicine that I put on my back, which absorbs and is internalized. Because I took the steps. I, I, I not only believed what the, the packages said, but I followed the directions of the packages. And if we will follow the directions that God has given us to trust Jesus Christ as our Savior, repent of our sin, and lay down our lives to follow Him, He has promised to write the Holy Spirit on our hearts. All who truly know Him 
will be saved. I will be their God and they will be my people. Why? Because I wrote their name on my heart, uh, wrote my law on their hearts. Why did that happen? Because they believed, because they trusted. This is not universalism. He's not saying that everybody will be saved, not saying that he will write his law on everyone's heart, but that those who trust him and follow him, when that happens, then they will know. And again, complete fulfillment is in the future. The full teaching isn't in our hearts. We still need teachers. We still need preachers. I still need teachers to teach me about Scripture so that I can teach you about Scripture. We don't fully know Him as we are known. We're promised that we will one day, but that day is not today. But we are forgiven. Number four, God will forgive them. Verse 34, For I will forgive their iniquity and never again remember their sin. We could also say, because I will forgive their iniquity. Look, I'm going to make a new covenant. Because I will forgive their iniquity. The other stuff is explanation. These are the parts that go together. I will make a new covenant. This is how, what, this is how I'm going to do it. Right on their hearts. They're going to be in there. Because... I will forgive them. How can this, these things, uh, a, a new covenant, heart, writing, knowing God, how can they be full forgiveness? Can it be? The song, it's, I had it earlier this week. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Full, full atonement, as the phrase, actually. Can it be? Hallelujah. What a Savior. Can it be? Yes. It can be. It actually is. Now, it's, it's no longer the bull, blood of, of bulls and lambs, but it's the blood of the lamb. It's not the firstborn son of us giving to, given to God, keeping that treaty, but it is the only begotten son of God, Fully God, but fully man, who sacrificed himself as a man for our sin. It's the forgiveness of sin that allows such intimacy with God, allows a new covenant, allows heart writing, allows knowing God. Now Judah saw part of this when they came back from Babylon, at that point it was Persia. And, and were sent back, and, and they rebuilt city walls and the temple under, Nehemiah, under the leadership of Nehemiah and, and Ezra and others. They saw part of this. They saw part of the forgiveness. They pa- saw part of the sowing of, of new uh, crops and, and people and, and animals that Jeremiah talks about in the earlier part of this chapter. But they didn't see it fully. They didn't see full atonement Can it be? Because only Jesus fully inaugurates the new covenant. And he does that by bringing in the new kingdom. That's his teaching, especially in John and Matthew. The kingdom, the kingdom is at hand. The kingdom has come. The new covenant, the new relationship. The new covenant... With this new, not, not the old treaties of, of kings and, and, and all the problems there, but no, the new kingdom, the perfect kingdom, and the grant treaty that comes by you just responding to the offer from the king. Only Jesus makes all things new. Only Jesus can write God's instructions on our hearts. Only Jesus can make us a people who are not his people, a people of God. Only Jesus can create a relationship where we know intimately without the teaching of others. Only Jesus can bring about forgiveness and removal of sin. This passage, along with all the rest of the Bible is all about Jesus. The new covenant, the new testament, the new contract, the new 
relationship comes with Jesus. Only he can do it because Paul also tells us in Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin is death. Duh. I mean, we see it with Judah right now. The numbers that were killed, only 3,000 and something are currently in Babylon. Those who are still kicking, Jeremiah says. He writes to them in uh, Jeremiah chapter 29. Those who are still alive, a handful really, because the wages of their sin was death. We get that. But the gift of God is eternal life. The, the new covenant, the, the new response to our sinfulness. No longer is it just a de- is death just a result, nor is it the only result. There is a gift, there is a possibility, there is a new relationship potentially between God and sinners. And it's a contract treaty. I mean, it's a, it's a grant treaty, right, rather, a grant contract. A, a, yes, a grant contract. It is a gift. The one in power and the one powerless, the one in power says, here you go. It's yours. What, are the, where, 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 what do I have to do? You can't, okay? You can't do anything. You, you, you're dead in your sins. You, you, you can't do anything to please me. I, I, could, follow, I could take the medicine. No, you can't swallow the pill. It's too big. Here, this is it. What do, I, what do I have to do? Well, this gift is found in Christ. So you've, you've, you've got to receive Christ. You've, he's the pill that you can swallow. He's the yoke that is easy. He's the abundant life. He is the neutralizer of sin. Is sin causing you acid indigestion? Well, take Jesus. He will fix that. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. God wants a new covenant, a new relationship with you. It's not over for you. It wasn't over for Judah. Michael, you don't know what I've done. You're right, I don't. You don't know how far I'm in exile from God. You don't know how far my sin has taken me from God. You were right. I do not. But I do know that you're not too far. I do know that God wants the relationship. I do know that the new covenant was for Israel, who didn't exist anymore. They had gotten so far from God. And Judah, who is barely holding on. It's for both of them. It's for you. Will you respond in faith? Will you internalize it? Take the bottle off the shelf, the bottle of Jesus that you've known about for years maybe. And you've thought, well, but I, 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 I know it's good. I like it. I'll, I'll, yeah, it's, no. Swallow it. Believe the instructions on the package. Trust Jesus. Take the next step that you have to take. Take up your cross and follow me. I heard my master say, be baptized. Believer's baptism. Your first obedience. Submit to God in your life. What does that mean? I don't know. But it might mean you're not living here next year but then I don't want to do it. Then you just really don't want to follow Jesus, do you? That's between you and him, but don't tell him no. Conforming your life, joining this church, all of these are next steps that you need to take, could need to take. Take up your cross and follow him. Share your decision with us. You can share it on a connection card. Come forward here in a few minutes to let me know, let Chelsea know, or one of our deacons in the back. Uh, 
Lee will be back there. Justin, our youth minister, will be back there. See a leader after church. If you're watching online, let us know. Send us a message. Send us an email. Let us know what God is doing in your life. This morning, heed the call of the new covenant. Not like the old, but where Jesus is written on your heart. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would write your law on our hearts. And Lord, for some of us to maybe take the scriptural analogy a little further, you might need to highlight some things you've already written. We may have forgotten some of them. We may need to take those steps of obedience that we haven't taken to this point. We may need to be a part of, of this local body by, by taking on the, the leadership as, as, a, as a congregation, congregational govern, congregationally governed church, Lord, where we say, I'm, I'm, I'm into this, I'm, I'm going to be a part of this, not, not a, a, a side-sitter, not an observer, but just right in the middle of the game. Maybe. I dare say, definitely, there's somebody here who's never trusted Jesus as their Savior. They've not entered into the new covenant, this new relationship with, with you through Christ. But Lord, we know, by grace through faith, God will do what we can't do for ourselves, and first and foremost, that is save us. His free gift for sinners like me. Lord, may we respond this morning in faith, in obedience, and in action as we follow you and as we play our part in this uh, grant covenant that we have with you called salvation. Move in this place, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So whatever your decision is this morning, pray that you'll follow through. Maybe that's coming and praying with one of us, Justin or Lee in the back. Maybe that's doing something right there and just letting us know later. Doesn't matter. None of, none of this, the walking, the talking with us, truly does anything other than just to help you make your decision. Whatever that decision is this morning, don't run from it, don't ignore it, and don't put it off because you might not have tomorrow. Let's stand, let's sing, let's worship, and let's let God renew that covenant or start that covenant with us this morning.